Man. Thank you, Lord. Oh, man, God is so good. God is so good. Give somebody a high five. Tell them you love them. Tell them you're glad to see them in God's house. Excited for what God's doing and what He's going to do. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you guys would turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. That just lined up some things for me up here. 
We are in our last uh, installment in talking of the different positions that Ephesians mentions. The first position that we had covered was uh, C, and we talked about Isaiah 6, in which uh, until we see uh, that, have that Isaiah experience where we see the Lord high and lifted up and see how glorious He is, we won't deal with ourselves uh, in a way that would humble ourselves so that when we speak to the injustices or the wrong things that are surrounding us, we won't have the humility or the love to do it. Uh, so we have to see God as high and lifted up as the perfect treasure uh, that He is before we get started uh, in our journey. Uh, the next position in Ephesians chapter 2 says that we are seated with Christ uh, in heavenly places, that we are born again into a chair, that we don't start out uh, walking, but we start out sitting. In other words, God's already won the victory. God's already won everything that we need. Jesus Christ has already earned it. So we are operating from a place of victory when we live out into the world, not in a place of we're trying to win the victory. So we're fighting from the victory, not for the victory. Uh, the, last week we talked about walking and we talked about how the Bible says that we are to walk worthy of our calling and from the idea that, again, the victory's been won so we can walk around without the pressure to perform, without the pressure to get God's attention. Uh, God's saved us and we have God's attention so from this place of peace and power we can walk. And the word for the Greek is peripateo which means to walk around so everywhere we go no matter what the circumstance is we don't have to allow the circumstance to dictate whether we've got the victory or not the idea is we've already got the victory in Jesus so whatever's going on we're going to win if we're in Christ Jesus now we're going to the last position the uh, precarious place Ephesians here in chapter 6 talks about standing Talking about standing. Christian experience begins with sitting, leads to walking, but it doesn't end here. Every Christian must learn to stand. Every Christian must learn to stand. We've got to learn what it is to dig our heels in and not retreat every time we run into some kind of conflict. The Christian experience is a war. Uh, there is a real devil. There are real demons. There are real fallen angels. And guess what? They don't like you a whole lot. They have no love loss in their heart for you. And so when you become a Christian, as great and as awesome and as peaceful as that experience is, the idea is you were born again into a war. And so when you enter this Christian experience, you're going to have to know what it is to fight. Each one of us must be prepared for conflict. We must know what it is to sit in heavenly places with God or we won't have the mind of Christ and be convinced that we have the victory. We'll allow circumstances to uh, fill us with knowledge at that point. Uh, but there's a contradiction to this power of standing and the power that God gives. God usually sends this power uh, to stand when we've exhausted all other options within ourselves. I think sometimes in the Christian walk, we have areas that we know we're weak in, 
And so we tell the Lord, Lord, I've got it over here, but I need you to help me over here. And so we're dependent upon our ability to do what we think we're good at, and we only ask for God's power in the abilities that we think we're not good at. But I've got news for you. Uh, as good as you think you're over here, you need God over here just as much as you need God over here. Uh, you're not that good over here. The bottom just ain't fell out yet. And many times the bottom's got to fall out before you know that I need something supernatural from God if I'm going to walk this thing out and live according to God's plan for my life. If I'm going to walk into the destiny that God has for me, sometimes he's got to let the bottom fall out first so that I get desperate enough to know how much that I need him. See, we get the power to stand when we realize we don't have much power in ourselves at all. See, in these areas, we feel powerless. We want God's power. God, give me power to do this. But I got this. God, send your strength over here, but I got this over here. And then life comes crashing down. And we realize we don't got this over here. And we sure ain't got this over here. Now when we're in the place where the bottom falls out and things begin to crash down on us, that is the place where God meets us. You've heard people say, you got to hit rock bottom. Yeah. But here's the beauty of it. When you hit rock bottom, you realize Jesus is the rock at the bottom. Yeah. And so you've got to fall on that rock and be broken before you step into the power that God has for you. So if you're going through a trial today, uh, don't be confounded or dismayed. You need to know this about this trial. This trial is setting you up for a position to know, I can't do this on my own. The only way I'm going to get through this trial is that I'm going to need supernatural power from God. This is the prerequisite for power. Paul defined it this way. Paul said, I got this thorn in my flesh. Paul said, I got this thorn in my flesh. And I've prayed three times that God would remove this thorn from me. That seems odd. First of all, that Paul would only pray three times and be content with the fact that God didn't answer in three times. But do you know what the voice kept saying? The voice kept saying to Paul, my strength is perfected in your weakness. So Paul quit praying the prayer to remove the thorn. He prays the prayer, God change my perspective where then I can properly see what you're doing in the thorn so that I can be in a place of strength. Thank you for those two amens. Might not get any better, so I don't know what to tell you. 
So Paul said, I've got this thorn in my flesh. This is a Hebrew idiom. And whenever the the Jewish people would use this, it, it generally meant a place in which God wasn't willing to bring deliverance because that place kept them in a warfare mentality where they didn't give up, but they drew near and pressed into God and didn't go into the place of self-sufficiency, but went into the place of, God, if you don't show up, this battle's going to be lost. See, some of you are trying to get rid of the pain that is in your heart, and the pain is showing you you ain't as tough as you thought you were. Uh, I like how my friend said it when he, uh, he threw his uh, little brother up on the hood of a car, and I watched it, and he said, you ain't so bad, little boy, and I've it's always stuck with me, and I think sometimes God's got to get us by the lapels, throw us up on the hood of the car, and say, you ain't so bad, little boy. Uh, you need me more than you think that you need me, and I'm willing to crash in on your life in an unexpected way so that you can know what it is to have relationship with me and a supernatural power to begin to take place in your life that you've never felt before so that you could walk and fulfill the calling that is in your life. That pain that has you sitting up in here is the very thing that's going to lead you back to Jesus in a deeper way. Come on now. Nobody come to church today because they got it all together. Come on now. I tell people all the time, I'm still waiting on this testimony. Man, everything was going so great. My life was going so grand. I thought, man, might as well add Jesus to the mix. Have you ever heard that testimony? The reality is there was some lack in your life. You hit a trial. You hit a crisis. And that crisis pointed you to the ultimate crisis. God being murdered by men on a cross. And you had to look again at something that you had thought had no power in it. And now you're saying, let me revisit this place because I need a power to get out of the mess that I'm in. It's a contradiction because it says that I'm powerless and in that place of being powerless I'm not depending upon my own resources to accomplish God's mission and my life when I get to the place of powerlessness I'm now in a place of being empowered because God now knows he can trust me with that power because I won't take the glory for what he's trying to do in my life I'll be able to humbly say oh but God if he hadn't have shown up in my life but God if he'd not come and saved me when I was down but God if he hadn't come in and made my life the way it is and people come up and they say man you're awesome and you just say oh if you only knew you just say God is awesome God is awesome But it's hard to let Jesus do it, isn't it? It's hard. Apostle Paul had every reason to be self-sufficient. He was an area died. He was brilliant. God wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. If anybody could pop that chest out and give a little rooster walk, it ought to be Paul. Right? 
he was in the right lineage and was the most Jewish man he knew. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees sitting at the feet of Gamaliel. If anybody had a reason to boast, it would be Paul. But he was so struck by pain that put him in a place of powerlessness that everything that operated through him as he was a broken vessel could only be attributed to God. And that's why he says things like this, I'm the chief of all sinners. Say, Paul, you got me beat, buddy, right? When we're thinking of the natural. He said, no, I'm the chief of all sinners. He says, I would take all of the titles and all the stuff and everything of that compared to my relationship with Jesus Christ is dumb. He said, I prayed for this painful thing to be removed. But the Lord spoke to me and said that in this pain, my strength is perfected in your weakness. That Paul is bringing us into the reality that it's okay to be weak. It's okay to hurt sometimes. Because in that place of pain, God's power begins to show up and manifest in our life. But you can't interpret the pain as in God is no longer in control. Or you will run away the rest of your life every time conflict comes. If God shows us anything in the Scriptures, it's this. That no matter how bad it gets, God still has a plan and a purpose on the way forward. It would be something like this. God works all things together for my good and His glory. So even though circumstances now are informing me that I'm losing and that I've lost, I know I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places and I've already won. That there's nothing really that Satan can do to me. Because I'm either going to live and that is Christ, or I'm going to die and that's gain. Uh, that I'm either going to be alive here, or I'm going to be alive there. That I'm either going to be with family here, or I'm going to be with family there. That there's really no separation between me and God. And my last breath here means my next breath in heaven rolling and reigning with Christ. That there is no lapse in time from me being on this side of heaven to that side of heaven with Jesus so when you look at things that way the victory is already yours the victory is already yours so you have to fight the mentality that says you're losing and that you're a loser and that everything within you is, is messed up and is wrong. You've got to fight this mental warfare with yourself and against Satan and his demons. And you have to preach the gospel to yourself. Look to your neighbor and say, get ready for war. Get ready for war. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. Paul here uses the word finally as if this is his last exhortation to the people of God in Ephesus. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. 
Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. In ancient times, uh, wounds that were on the back were considered disgraceful. Because if wounds were on the back, that meant you were retreating. Come on now. And some of us have been stabbed in the back because every time conflict runs, we're always running away. Well, okay then. I guess we'll just move on. I thought that would preach a little bit, but it ain't, it ain't, it ain't taken today. Okay, I get it. See, in the day of battle, Roman soldiers were to stand their ground and not retreat. And as long as they stood together in that flat open field side by side and shoulder by shoulder and would dig their heels into the ground, they were considered to be invincible as an army. Have you noticed Christians are the only ones always trying to retreat? Men's retreats, women retreats. We were just we we we're running we're running from every battle that there could be. A marriage retreat. Yeah, get me out of here. My goodness. All right. See, when Jesus said he was going to send the comforter, we need to change our 21st century mindsets. Because he wasn't describing the big puffy blanket that goes up over your bed, okay? That, that wasn't the comforter that Jesus was talking about. The prefix come means with, and fort means just that. That he comes with himself the ability to make you into a fort. That when God said he was going to send the paraclete, he was basically saying, I'm sending you an advocate. I'm sending you someone that when you don't think you can stand anymore, that when you feel like everything has overwhelmed you and you've got nowhere else to go, I'm going to send you my sweet. Holy Spirit and he's going to turn you into one that quits running away from your problems but allows the conviction of sin to come up and bring things up out of you that need to be repented of and needs to be changed and you won't keep running away every time conviction or the word of God comes but you'll repent of those things and allow God to make you into the one he wants you to be yeah He's the one that stands beside you and gets you ready for war. Makes you into a fort. Makes you into a fort. It's time for us men to allow the Holy Spirit to fortify us and turn us into a fort. Our manhood isn't defined by passing gas and belching and having no manners. Can I get real with you? I leave the spiritual stuff to mama and I'll just go ahead and be a knucklehead the rest of my life. God wants you to lead your house with the power of the Holy Spirit and turn you into a war machine that can face any obstacle that would come your way. David gives us the picture of proper manhood. He can write a song and weep. 
can play a harp before the Lord in the demonic realm descends and leaves. Or he can get a stone and kill a giant. Come on now. Come on now. It's time that we get a balanced look of manhood in our churches. Verse 12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against cosmic powers over this present darkness. Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. See, many times we think the battle's flesh and blood. That's why we like to blame other people for the reason why we ain't where we need to be instead of seeing the power that is animating them that is the real enemy at hand. That's the way Jesus says to love your enemies. I can't love my enemy if I'm blaming my enemy all the time. I've got to see that this person is made in the image of God, and I've got to acknowledge that there is a force animating this person so I can still love the person and not love the action. Come on now. Uh, that, that Satan wants to, us to see people as our enemy, and he wants to pretend that there is no spirit behind it. That's why it is said that the greatest trick that Satan ever played was the fact that he never existed and that he didn't exist. Uh, because we like to put people in our categories, don't we? We like to say, oh, you're this and you're the problem, and you're this and you're the problem. And instead of humanizing people by learning their name, we associate them with a category or a subset or something, and it leads us to dehumanize and devalue them so that we can be mad at them and not feel bad about hating our brother. This is the objective of the satanic realm to cause division. So we blame each other and never address the true enemy. And that's why Jesus could say on the cross, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. In other words, there was a stirring that Jesus could see that people were being animated by another realm. But here's the beauty is that God always wins. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7-8, through But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. Get this. None of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So God uses the evil schemes of the wicked against their own self to accomplish the purposes of God. In other words, Jesus knew that if He came to earth, He understood the frame of humanity and the systems that were in place would crucify Him. But God so outthought that 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 same plan of wickedness ends up becoming the blood that's shed that becomes the forgiveness of the sins of the world. That is why we'll win no matter what. Verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God 
that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand. I want to show you this video of a palm tree. These palm trees are made to thrive in a storm. Their branches can actually fold up when a windstorm comes and become aerodynamic to allow the wind to pass by. When the sun's out, they can spread themselves out and soak up as much sun as they possibly uh, could need. That these palm trees are actually benefiting from the storm. It is working their base that is connected to the ground and stretching it around the base so that the base can get even broader so it can grow even taller. That's why every time you're getting ready to be promoted, there's going to be some kind of persecution or trial that comes your way. These palm trees can bear fruit in a storm and hold on to their fruit. They don't lose their fruit when a storm uh, comes their way. They're, they're flexible so that they're not rigid to where they can't bend to when an onslaught is coming they can bend and bob and weave and you might remember this with Muhammad Ali he would get on the ropes and he called it the rope-a-dope he'd basically wear the other person out while they were throwing punches and just be able to dodge and be able to move and so these palm trees are able to handle the unthinkable and what's most important is while the storm is going on the palm tree is still growing uh, it's not focused so much on the storm as much as it is it's getting taller and taller and taller and the storm is only to serve the fact that it's going to be even more glorious and even more uh, tall as it goes forward. This puts a whole new perspective on Palm Sunday. Now look, everything else is fallen, but look at these palms. Still got their fruit. Light poles gone. House is gone. There's a palm. Don't got a scratch on it. It's made for the storm. God designed it for the storm. Everything else can be falling around it. But the palm is still standing. Palm is not uprooted by the storm. But it digs down deep and considers the storm a part of life and embraces it as it comes. While when Jesus was in a storm in the boat, he's sleeping. He's sleeping. Why is he sleeping? Because he knows storms are just a part of life that will end up accomplishing the purposes of God anyway. So he can embrace the storm because it's part of the human experience. Verse 14, Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth, put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word 
of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the Gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Here's the Apostle Paul telling us to put on armor while he's standing in chains. And sometimes it feels like you are wrapped up in chains. And God would tell you today, He needs you to stand. He doesn't need you to hit the ejector seat. He doesn't need you to bail off and do something crazy. He's not asking anything else from you but just to stand. To be still and know that He is God. It's not time to retreat. It's time to dig your heels into the sand and make a declaration to Satan and say, Satan, I ain't going nowhere. You got me last time and I ran off. And I got hurt and I let bitterness fill my heart. But I lost too much time in that season in which I allowed you to influence me. So in this season of my life, I'm digging my heels into the sand. And I'm staying in love. And I'm operating in love. And I'm not going anywhere. You can put your chains on me and you can throw me in the prison. But I'm not going anywhere. I'm standing firm. Some of us need to have a personal meeting with Satan himself. Declare to him, you're not going nowhere. Heard of a man, he lost his wife. He was deeply hurt. He was just being dogged by the enemy. Did I not have enough faith? Did I not have this? Did I not have just dogged? Finally, he'd had enough of it. And he called a meeting with just himself and Satan. And he said, Satan, sit in that chair right there. I got something I'm going to tell you. And he said, Satan, I've been downcast for too long. And you've been the one that's done it to me and I've bought your life. And I want to tell you, there's no more am I going to buy your life. Now, don't get up. Sit down. I'm not done with you. My God has the victory and has won the victory. And you're going to quit dictating where I go in my life and where I come and go and how I feel. Because the battle is the Lord's and He's already won. So I'm putting you on notice today.
that from this day forward, even though I might not feel like it, and even though I might be depressed, and even though I might, whatever you feelings that you put over me to overtake me, I'm going with Jesus, and I'm doing what's right from here on out, whether I feel it or not. And so I'm putting you on notice that this is the day that you've got no more power over my life. It's time for some of us to make up our mind and say we're going to stand. Would you stand with me? Justin, if you come up, play something. Would you lift your hands all over this place? Just begin to receive from God. God, we stand here, God, with hearts open, with minds open, God. And we're asking, God, that You would move in this place and that You would most importantly move our hearts to a place of faithfulness. God, that You would move our hearts to a place, God, that is steadfast and rooted in You. God, some of us are in situations where it feels like the bottom's falling out. It feels like nothing's adding up. And every time it feels like we take one step forward, it's like 20 steps back. God, that is a lie from Satan because you order the steps of their righteous people, God. So, Lord, we're turning from our faith in our circumstances and we're putting our faith in you. We remove our faith that we've had in our feelings and we put our faith into you and what you're doing, God. And God, even though it doesn't add up around us, and even though everything appears to be wrong, and everything appears to look like everything is crashing down, God, You're up to something, and we're foolish enough to believe it, God. Because we've looked at the cross, and if You can redeem that, then You can redeem this. We look at every obstacle and trial, God as something that is pushing us into the place of character building that is preparing us for something, God, that is so great that we can't even know or even understand what you're doing on the inside of us. God, like Paul, with chains on our hands sometimes, we say we are declaring boldly that we are ambassadors for Jesus. And you are going to see us through. In Jesus' name. Jesus name. Would you worship with us? Oh you